0: What's going on, folks? Thanks for hitting that download button and checking out a brand new episode of Toys and Tech of the Trade, your one-stop shop for toys, tech, and talk with some assembly required. I'm your host, Rich, and if this is your first time checking out an episode, first of all, welcome. Second, a bit about what we do here. Toys and Tech of the Trade is an interview series where we sit down with content creators, entrepreneurs, and just awesome folks that are on our radar and share the gadgets, the gear, and the tech that they use to create their content, run their business and be overall more productive. And of course, we take all of that wisdom and pass it on to you guys so you can apply it to all of your endeavors, whether you're an entrepreneur, a content creator or someone looking to get their business off the ground. There's always some insights that you can grab from these conversations and apply them to your business. When it comes to toys, we definitely like to be a little bit more broad and we approach it well beyond action figures, Funko Pops, things of that nature, and discuss the toys, the stuff that people obsess over and consider their toys that put a smile on their face, whether it's collecting guitar picks, whether it's kitchen appliances. You'd be surprised if somebody's really into cooking what they consider their toys. It's a big departure from uh, me buying the latest Marvel Legends action figure versus someone who's um, obsessing over an immersion circulator so we like to approach the toys topic on this podcast in a more broad sense so to speak but with the introduction out of the way let's get some housekeeping done and jump into this week's guest who is a returning guest and i'm glad to have her back to share some crazy insights with what's been going on with regards to events and the current COVID-19 climate. But I'm not going to give up who that is just yet, but let's get into the housekeeping. First off, I want to thank everybody who's been downloading all of the episodes, especially with so many people at home listening versus uh, consuming our content during their commute. Uh, Crazy, crazy numbers. We're about to hit 28,000 lifetime downloads since the move to our current um, podcast host, which is Spreaker. Uh, Originally, we had a lot of our shows on Libsyn, but given that My Take Radio essentially morphed into the Rageworks podcast network, we needed a place that could handle all of our shows, provide unlimited audio, et cetera. And Spreaker was the source for that. Now, obviously, I'm not You know, We're not being paid to say that. It's just been a great experience. It's allowed us to bring in so many different talents to grow the network and just eliminate a lot of headaches that some of our creators would have experienced going to other platforms. Because while I like to tinker and do all of this stuff, being in the game for so long as a podcaster, uh, many of our hosts just want to turn on the mics, hit record, create content, and then we handle the heavy lifting here, editing, et cetera, putting it out, making it nice, and most importantly, uh, using a service that's just cohesive to what we're trying to do. So um, for those of you that are looking to start your own network, I just figured I'd throw that out there. Uh, the the company we're using is Spreaker for now. Obviously, there's plenty of other podcast hosts that are out there that are competent um, not to take anything from Libsyn. Libsyn is an amazing, amazing service, and you should definitely consider them if you're launching a show. But if you're looking to expand, build a network, etc., Spreaker just works out better. And that's just, again, not any sort of paid endorsement, just, again, sharing the toys and uh, the toys and tech of our trade with you guys, the listeners. But with that said, I really am truly grateful for all of the support that we've received over these last couple of months. All of our hosts are extremely happy. Uh, Their shows are growing, a lot more engagement, and that's what we're here for. We're here to help uh, distract you from all the craziness going on, provide you some entertainment, provide you some value, uh, some insights, and maybe educate you and give you some tips that you can apply, like we said, to your business, your content creation endeavors, which so many people are jumping into. I feel like every few days I talk to someone who says, They're launching a YouTube channel. They're starting a podcast. I'm I'm excited as a creator, someone who's been doing this for so long as a as a passion project to see so many of my friends and my peers uh, really embrace the, the content creation side of things, especially when they have so many great stories to share. So I'm really excited for that. And again, just very grateful for all of the support. But with that said, let's Wrap up this housekeeping and turn it over to this week's returning guests. Let's get to it. This week's guest is a returning guest from last year. Megan Amo is joining us, uh, Assistant Marketing Manager for the Society for the Promotion of Japanese Animation. Uh, You guys may remember that last year, Megan and I discussed the Anime Expo. And of course, with everything going on in the world today, Uh, The future of the Anime Expo for 2020 was up in the air, but Megan and her team pivoted and delivered a virtual experience. We're going to be talking about that. We're going to catch up on everything else that she's been working on and much, much more. Hey, Megan, how's it going? Thanks for stopping by for this week's episode. Hi, I'm
1: going well. Thank you so much for having
0: me again. Yeah, I'm so glad to have you back. Um, Lots of crazy stuff going on in the world. Uh, The Anime Expo is... I said in the introduction, of course, was uh, a lot different this year than in previous years. Uh, you folks went virtual this year, which was huge. And even with a virtual event, you had a bunch of exhibitors, a full slate of guests. So let's start with the with the easy one, which is what, what made you guys want to go virtual versus like a lot of events that were sh- just shelving it for 2020?
1: tradition for so many of our attendees myself included so we wanted to still do something with our fans and industry here plus you know we've we've actually been streaming anime expo since 2017 so it was only natural to to pivot to this virtual event with anime expo like
0: now considering that and the ease of that transition what was what was how, how were you strategizing the approach for this event because A lot of people, it's, you know, a lot of Zoom hangouts, a lot of Zoom calls, things of that nature. What were you looking to bring to the table to make it unique, but also keep that same engagement that you folks had for the in-person events?
1: Absolutely. So, you know, with Anime Expo, we really strive to create a fun and memorable experience to just celebrate anime and Japanese pop culture. So with that being said, you know, we, we did our best to incorporate the spirit of Anime Expo in ways that made sense for us throughout you Life. From the opening clip that was inspired by the red ribbon cutting that we do before the exhibit hall opens and our welcome ceremony to the trivia slides in between the panels, to the closing clip that incorporated elements
0: I know last year when we spoke, we talked about a lot of the logistical challenges that were uh, that went into creating an in-person event. Um, it, with creating a virtual event, obviously technology being one of the biggest hurdles, what other challenges were you faced with and had to adapt uh, with regards to bringing this event to the public this year? Yeah.
1: So, you know, since we had to pivot to a virtual event, you know, time constraints is definitely a, a big challenge. Normally we have a Event and then very quickly had to switch gears. Um, and then another challenge, as you mentioned, is technology. And and part of that is bandwidth. You know, literally speaking, in some cases, because when you're doing a live event, um, you know, you, you got to do all of the tech checks and make sure that um, the internet bandwidth is going to be um, adequate for doing things live. Um, so just making sure that we reviewed all of those things with all the participants, all our industry partners, um, you know, making sure that the the quality was there. And um, of course, um, there's always room to improve communication um, with anything, but I think especially with the remote work environment, there were some new um, challenges there.
0: Oh, I'm sure. I mean, one of the biggest hurdles for so many, especially if you're transitioning from the wake up, you know, make your coffee, head out, deal with traffic, punch in and start your day. For a lot of people, I think it was finding direction. And I think in this case, especially when you were dealing with so many partners, uh, you know, companies like Bandai and Viz Media, etc. Where were you in terms of structuring that to ensure that these exhibitors got a lot of time? I mean, one of the toughest parts, of course, like you said, is allocating bandwidth, but also dealing with their approaches to the event, how did you tackle that? Mm-hmm. Let's say a company like Viz said, you know, we just want to maybe show a couple of trailers, et cetera, versus let's say I'll use a, a company like Bluefin wanted to demo some toys. How were you adapting the event for those types of of asks from your partners?
1: Yeah, so, you know, our programming team did a really good job just um, keeping the conversation going with all of our partners, trying to figure out the time slots, kind of content they're planning to do. Um, And, you know, for some of the participants, we ended up using Microsoft Teams Live Events uh, for a more streamlined Q&A experience, you know, versus like the live chat that's just going super, super fast and you can't really figure out what's going on. Um, the Live Events platform um, has, you can moderate the questions, other viewers can upvote the questions, so it made for a very very good viewer experience, especially when it came to an
0: event now now, with that said, going with Microsoft teams the event always has a lot of amazing artists on display. How are you able to to showcase those artists in this in this new climate in this virtual environment? how are you able to let them showcase their work effectively?
1: yeah, absolutely so we had a an artist who did some how to draw features on our stream. And then we also had one of our partners do a draw roulette event um, where viewers kind of like gave them some, um, what's the word, like prompts and then they just sort of drew head to head and it was just a very spontaneous kind of fun event. Um, And then in in addition to that, you know, we we also um, worked to kind of create a more visual, uh, artist alley and exhibitor list on our website because I know a, a big part of attending events is also seeing all the exhibitors artists um and to me you know just doing a, a straight text list on a website just doesn't doesn't do it justice um so you know we reached out to our artists and exhibitors and gave them the opportunity to send us a photo uh I encouraged them to send like a photo of their booth or table to sort of try to recreate that experience of like seeing, uh, you know, all of the, the tables and whatnot. Uh, but of course they could send whatever photo they, they wanted. So, you know, when people are are exploring our website and looking through the list, they can actually see it and have a, a more, or I, I hope, a more interesting experience than just scrolling through a bunch of text.
0: No, I think it was definitely more immersive. And I think that that's a big part of ensuring that the event was successful, uh, you guys ended up trimming it down from the usual three to four days to two days. Did you feel Mm -hmm. that it was just easier logistically to do that versus trying to fill a slot for four days? Or did you know you were going to be competing with, you know, just the real world and people trying to have people dialed in for four days would have been a little bit more cumbersome.
1: Yeah. One of the reasons that we opted to do two days is definitely the time constraints, you know, just having a, a few short months. We put everything together, we we also want to be mindful of the time constraints on our partners and, you know, having them develop and produce the content in a, a totally different way than how they're used to doing it um, for the physical event. You know, we, we have to keep in mind uh, their schedules and their capabilities um, and make sure that we could put together a, a good experience overall.
0: Were you were you concerned that with in terms of just uh, audience engagement by virtual events? Did you did you and your team have any sort of a litmus test to follow to ensure that you were going to get a, a particular type of turnout? I know a lot of people, they looked at events that have gone on already that had gone virtual and they were like, oh, the experience was good. The experience was different. But given what's been going on in, in the world today, I think. More people are receptive. How did you How did you address that?
1: How, uh, sorry, could you clarify? How did we address um, the, the, the viewer
0: No, my what I meant was how did you address ensuring that there would be a, a, a decent turnout? I think that that's the hardest part mm-hmm. with virtual events. Like I said, competing for for time right. and everything else. How'd you How'd you address that?
1: Um, you know, we definitely reached out to our. Core audience on our email list and social media, but we also saw this as an opportunity um, for people who may not have otherwise have had the opportunity to to tune into Anime Expo so to be able to join us. And you know, one of the, the theme idea that we kind of had going into Anime Anime is that Anime is loved all over the world. And you know, even though the 2020 event didn't turn out how we originally envisioned it, I think. That the anime light experience and being able to connect um, and experience it with people all over the world really, really reflected that idea. You know,
0: I I think that that based on that, and and I have to agree with you because I think for for a lot of us uh, across the country, there are certain events that for whatever reason we can't fly out there, we can't make it out there. You know there there were always those hurdles. I mean, being on the East Coast, making it out to the West Coast for me personally is one of the it, it's not easy. But um I thought that going this virtual route, I felt that you were able to, like you said, just give the event more of that global appeal. And I think it translated well in terms of just the the outreach. Now, with that said, you know, what what have you learned from this now going towards future events? Do you feel that there's going to be a bigger opportunity to do more things virtually? What did What did you learn personally? Like, what did you take from it?
1: So for me, I would say I definitely gained a better understanding of what the viewer or the attendee experience is from like a, a live stream viewer perspective. Um, you know, personally, I've been attending anime since 2004. So I'm like really, really familiar with what the attendee experience is really been able to sit down and watch our live stream like during anime expo right so right. um this year me and, and many members of the team were much more hands-on The future definitely have an online component as part of Anime the Anime experience, um, and I think prior to this year, there probably were a lot of people who didn't even know that we had been doing that we've been live streaming Anime Expo um, before, even though we've been doing it for a couple of years. Because I saw comments saying like, "Oh, you know, I." I
0: I liked what you said about being able to watch the the stream from, from a viewer's perspective because like anything else with these events, when you're organizing it and you talked about this last year, just the, the amount of work that goes into it for you to actually sit back and be able to reap the benefits or see it from, from a fresh perspective is difficult because you want to ensure that, that everything is running smoothly. I think that being able to do that, do you feel that it's definitely made you and your team more i want I, saying aware is 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 a poor choice of do you feel that it's made you guys uh more intuitive on how to present an experience from a viewer's perspective
1: yeah absolutely you know just gaining a fresh perspective and a new experience definitely helps us um inform us as we're you know brainstorming new things to do in the future and just understanding some of the challenges you know like For me, I I had a really renewed appreciation for the volunteer team that helped me like on site with live stream. And as exciting as it, it was to be able to watch with international viewers, you know, there's
0: now now w- with regards to that um y- you bring up something very interesting you know from a from a global perspective has this now made you and your team rethink um you know I- exactly that from a moderation perspective going uh virtual or even opening it up to a global audience to have moderators to moderate those other languages and things of that nature because i'm sure for each one there's its own set of you know quote-unquote rules of engagement you know some people may say something in one language that means something in something else
1: yeah definitely I mean I think people will understand if we aren't able to 100% catch everything um given that there are so many languages in the world um and of course our primary focus is on Japanese culture and we are based in in LA um so that be our default, um, and so I think being able to see the the global audience tune in was really helpful. Not only it's not only interesting for us, but I think it was also very helpful for our industry partners um, to have a you know be able to see where their content is popular, who's tuning in, um, and you know maybe that's something that they'll be able to use in the future.
0: Well, for you for you as as you monitor the event what what was uh, something that was consistent across your your global audience was was it um a particular show or a particular product or a particular artist that always kind of was had universal appeal did you see that at all Yeah, I think I think when when I look at events like that, there's always there's always certain at least for me as somebody who who watches anime and has gotten into the more mainstream stuff over the years, there's always one or two that just I like to say it crosses party lines like like Dragon Ball Z. Everybody loves some facet of Dragon Ball Z whether there people that came into it at a younger age, or people that just got into it watching Super. Um right. It's it, that's that's why I asked the question because you know there's always those iconic brands that just have global appeal that that pick up steam, especially in events like this where uh, people may not get that that Facetime like you were saying with. Um, voice talents or artists etc you know virtual events like this are key that's why i asked that question because yeah. for for me i'm seeing especially now here in new york a lot more like my hero academia stuff um i actually bought a a, a ua sweatshirt in the fall like it was just randomly on sale a hot topic and i was in a place where i didn't even expect it and an, an older mm-hmm. guy was like oh man you watch my hero and i was like uh yeah, that was a, it was just very, very surprising. That's why I asked about that universal appeal, because there's just certain yeah. properties that really embody that so much.
1: I think, I think it's, it was, I mean, for me personally, it was just maybe not immediately clear because when, when there are content, you know, that focus on certain titles, then a lot of fans get really, really excited about it. Right. And they kind of overtake the chat. Yep. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> <laughs> At the same time, I think there were also opportunities where you had a mix of maybe those like longtime fans and new people tuning in, and they were able to kind of engage with one another and give advice to each other. You know, I definitely saw that in um, the Gundam merchandising panel. There were some people tuning in who were like hardcore fans of Gundampla and other people tuning who who just happened to be watching, and they're like, you know what, I'm. I'm Wanted to check it out, but I just don't know where to start. And it was really, like, heartwarming to see people uh, interacting with one another and kind of giving recommendations and whatnot.
0: Oh, that's great. I mean, that's always been one thing with... And, 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 and I like that you brought up Gundam because I, I was... I, I am guilty of being in that space where the the models look amazing. Um, there's a couple of, of YouTubers who I follow who are heavy into it, and they always have the models on display on their sets, and I always say, man, those are cool. But then I'm like, I don't have the aptitude to sit there and and work with the little pieces or figure out which show which one showed up in. But it 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 makes me happy to hear that it was so inviting and so welcoming. I'm sure that at the end of the day, that's what it's all about for you, bringing all these communities together. And especially in this type of an environment where you know people are 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 so divisive on everything else, that anime bridged that gap and brought everyone together. Mm-hmm. Now obviously we're 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 still we're still neck deep in twenty twenty um what are you what are you looking forward to for for next year's event? What are some things that you some takeaways you took from this year that you said that you said to yourself, man, we gotta do more of this next year or we gotta be more aggressive on x
1: next year well it's kind of like too early to say as far as the takeaways that we really wanna um push for next year, but I think the number one thing that we are looking forward to is next year is going to be our 30th anniversary. Nice. Um, Congratulations. That's (laughs) a huge milestone. Yeah. And I'm really hoping to be able to involve, get the attendees involved
0: How, how was, have you received um, feedback from your exhibitors in terms of the approach for this year's event already, or is it still too early to tell how they felt about it?
1: Um, I mean, everyone was was positive um, as far as Excellent. NMAX LA, you know, all of the participants w- gave us some positive feedback about um, how things went. So I think everyone was just very, very supportive and, and understanding, and we really appreciate um, all of all
0: of their support. How have you, how have you been, uh, adjusting? I mean, you know, California and, and Los Angeles and, and that area had a really, um, unique experience with this whole COVID situation. How, how have you been doing with it? You know, how have you adjusted, uh, in terms of your day to day?
1: Um, I have been doing well, you know, our whole team has been working remotely since March. Okay. Um, when, you know, everything kind of was shutting down and, um, we're continuing to work remotely for
0: the foreseeable future. Oh, excellent. That's great to hear. I think, I think that's one of those things where a lot of companies were unsure about how to, how to approach that. And obviously, you know, uh, aside from us discussing the expo, we always talk about, uh, the business side of things. And I, and I did want to ask, you know, since you've been working from home now since March, Mm -hmm. um, how did you, how did you stay focused? Because I think that's a big problem for so many.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, well, you know, I think, well, for one thing, our, our company was already set up for remote work just because we have to be able to kind of pick up and move our things for the, the in-person event. So the switch over to um, remote work was very, very quick and very smooth. Um, I actually feel like it's most people have an opposite problem and then they focus too much. And then they like, because in an office environment, you sort of have natural breaks. You're moving from your desk to the conference room for a meeting or something. Right. Yep. But then when you're at home, you just sort of sit in one place <laughs> <laughs> and then you don't move like the whole day. Uh, so personally, I've been kind of trying to get more, um, more, more fitness. Like, you oriented. So I think it's, it's been really, Uh, a great opportunity to be able to kind of take virtual fitness classes and you know nowadays you can kind of take classes from people all over the world which is really really cool you know people can take dance classes from like someone in Europe even though you're in LA and now there's just a a whole big um, like world of opportunity there and accessibility which I think is really
0: are you doing anything like, you know, did you get like a Peloton bike or anything like that or you just pick up a class and follow along in, in general? Uh,
1: no, no Peloton bike for me. I think that's a bit too big of a a commitment. Um but just- <laughs>
0: So I'm I'm guessing a lot of a lot of virtual yoga stretching.
1: Um for like specifically flexibility training classes. Nice. I didn't actually know that was a thing um until like the lockdown and everything. And uh, it, it does incorporate like yoga and other exercises but it's not strictly yoga it's more like uh focused on flexibility training.
0: Oh, that's good. I mean as especially as especially as we get older it's it's one of those things and and i say it all all jokes aside it's like we're not we're not getting any we're not getting any any younger and we got to get and we're getting less flexible as time goes on <laughs> yeah, I I had, you know, I had that challenge. My wife was working from home and it was completely new for her because she went to an office every day and Mm -hmm. um, much like you, they were like, hey, you're going to stay home. And she she hadn't figured out how to like, I like to joke about it, separation of church and state. She didn't she didn't know when to shut off like the work brain and transition to, you know, just being off the clock. I mean, so so I, I definitely can understand those challenges. I mean, for you and that clearly isn't a challenge since you've been working remotely and you're used to that concept, but even still just staying motivated and staying focused, Absolutely. you don't know where work ends and, and personal time begins.
1: Mm-hmm. I think having a designated workspace, space, um, if, if you can, can really help, you know, and, and I know some people, maybe they're, they're not able to, um, to, to coordinate off that space uh, given their, their living situation. Uh, but I, I honestly, I just have a very small table (laughs) and, um, you know, once I'm sitting there, that, that work, work mentality. And then when I'm off the clock, I just, I don't even sit there. There
0: you go. That's, that's how it goes. I'm I'm glad to hear that. Um, I did want to, as always, you know, we do the hot seat, we do our, our series of rapid fire questions. So want to, want to run through some of those, uh, before we wrap things up. Mm-hmm. If that's all right with you. <laughs> um, so, of course, since the last time we talked, I got to ask, uh, what anime are you watching now?
1: Uh, well, Zero just came back, so I think I'm going to watch that. But, oh, I'm also watching Fruits Basket, and I'm really enjoying Fruits Basket. There's, like, a lot of nostalgia there.
0: Nice. Um, are you watching any any of the stuff, that any of the anime that's being put out by Netflix?
1: Um, I, have they put anything out recently? I I don't know if I have seen any of I,
0: i actually started watching uh they did baki uh so they oh, did like I their... did
1: hear about that one yeah grand rodeo uh performed in the listening live la and, and they did the theme song nice but no i haven't seen
0: it yeah it's uh it's definitely different from from the stuff i remember and then i watched uh Kengan asura so i've mm-hmm. been trying to trying to clear that backlog those are, those yep yep i i i clearly have a have a have a uh, a genre (laughs) but um yeah trying to do that catch up on my hero um Mm -hmm. you know no no more dragon ball unless they do another one so uh i I figured i'd ask just because your recommendations they always they always come in handy and i remember when we did our last one and i put links people were like hey i checked out that anime in the show notes so i always i always ask because people are into it you know yeah, it always, it's always good. Um, I do got to ask, and uh, this is always a, a favorite question, my, my usual, which is, what's something you've bought that's less than $100 that's made your life easier or more enjoyable? Oh, I
1: can't, I can't think of anything. <laughs> it's awful. But um, I know this is supposed to be a quick answer, but I, I really can't think of anything. Um, I think just most people with, with the shutdowns and everything, right? Like they've kind of been saving a lot of money and only only spending <laughs> on like food and,
0: and whatnot. Oh, you'd be surprised. I, I know plenty of people that I'd end up just oh uh goodness. spending spending money, you know, buying games That's to play. True. Buying okay, games well if
1: we wanted, I was actually gonna go the games route. Shoot. Um <laughs> so I just started playing Death Stranding. That's under
0: a Oh yeah. That, um, <laughs> that game is that game so, is insane. <laughs>
1: Yep. Actually, I would say because I I got it for only fifteen dollars with like the whole DLC. Yep, and I put in gosh, well over one hundred fifty hours <laughs> into that game.
0: Yeah, that's a um, that, that's a great value. It was funny because when they did yeah. the announcement that it was going to be that, uh, my my co- my colleague handle he shared it on his on on our uh, group page, and everybody's like, oh man, fifteen bucks and you get everything. So that's awesome to hear that.
1: Oh, really, late. oh I'm
0: man, really late you're gonna, to <laughs> you're gonna go back into the trust me i I wanted to go back into Final Fantasy when it came out, and I said, I just don't have it in me like I used to, to sit there for, you know, eight hours or nine hours because it's a very it's a very deep campaign for that game, especially if you want to go and and touch on all the different storytelling nuances that happen.
1: game i ever played was actually 15 so i honestly have no idea what to expect oh man yeah you're
0: you're in for a treat then when you get to that
1: um unfortunately i think some of the key like big plot points have already been spoiled for me like just by virtue of attending anime (laughs) (laughs) over the years of course Uh, i'm sure i'll still enjoy it you
0: you were playing the witcher did you watch the series the witcher series on netflix (laughs) <laughs> very cool nice that's that's very that's very awesome um of course now obviously you're you're still now working remotely so has has your tech changed from last year in terms of uh your laptop desktop or your mobile device
1: um laptop and mobile device are the same i think the the main change is just my setup is a bit different from the office cuz i left my keyboard and monitor there oh okay so my
0: own like little TV as my secondary monitor. Oh, nice! Do you feel you're more productive working uh, on on the dual monitors, or is it sometimes yeah, a little too definitely. much?
1: Definitely, definitely need the dual monitors. Yep. It good color accuracy for
0: design work. Ab- absolutely, I think that that's something. I, I you know my I use a uh, widescreen ones here in in my home office, and my wife is like, "Why do you need these two giant monitors with like four <laughs> with like four windows across each?" And I'm like, "You'd you'd be surprised." And then you know, she started using my workstation to work from home. And she was like, she's like, all right, I get it. (laughs) So that that, that's always very good. Um, Have have you picked up any collectibles since the last time we spoke, especially uh, with so many vendors and and partners? What what did you pick up from the last time we spoke?
1: Actually, I ordered this in February, and then it didn't arrive until like a couple weeks ago. But I ordered this of my hero academia they're like chibi chibi plushes they kind of look like the disney oh okay yep i I know those yeah similar style that's kind of one of the things that i i collect a lot actually my whole desk at work it's still there amazingly it's still all standing but they're all piled up like all around my monitor um
0: That's a, the that, 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 and, and the best part of it, of that is that they're small enough that you can buy the whole set and it won't look too yeah. crazy on, on your, on your workspace.
1: Well, I, I have a lot of them now, oh, so man. I mean, I think they look pretty crazy now. <laughs>
0: how, how much is a lot? What are we talking? 25, 50?
1: Uh, you know what? To be honest, I haven't <laughs> counted, but probably over 50. I can send you
0: a first. Oh, that would be cool. <laughs> yeah. We could put that in the, in the, in the piece for the episode. That'd be awesome. Um, Lastly before we wrap things up of course uh I know last year when we spoke you said you were going to make a bigger push for social I've seen I've seen you posting on Instagram I'm very proud of you. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> so so um you're but you're still uh, using Instagram mostly for that and of course all the anime expo accounts right? Mm-hmm. That's correct right for for yeah. uh engagement in case anybody wants to find out more. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Uh to to wrap things up Uh, next year of course hopefully we can catch up 30th anniversary and most importantly hopefully you'll be able to do it live and maybe I can make a trip out there to actually see the event
1: (laughs) yeah that would be great you know we're we're just gonna hope for the best and if anything just make sure that we bring a good experience for it.
0: I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited that the virtual event went so well. I'm also excited with so many exhibitors that you guys had. It's funny because we're actually working, hopefully going to be working more with uh, Bluefin in the future. So we'll be reviewing. Yeah, we'll be reviewing a lot of their stuff and with Bandai. So definitely glad to see that those partners are so active with with the Anime Expo, because who knows, we could probably do some stuff next year, hopefully.
1: Yeah.
0: Awesome. All right. So that's going to wrap things up as always. Uh, Megan, thank you for taking the time to share the toys and tech of your trade.
1: Thank you.
0: What a great conversation with Megan. I'm got. I'm, what a great conversation we had with Megan. So many great things that we learned about the Anime Expo Light Edition, uh, the logistics and just what's required to put together a virtual con is is just insane especially with such a short window Um, it's very very uh, important for me to share that story with you guys because again this is this is the climate that we're going to be getting into Uh, with so many of our favorite conventions either shelved or moving virtually It really goes to show you how much work goes on behind the scenes to try and give us as close to uh, a a live experience as possible. And I'm glad that Megan uh, took the time from her schedule to come back and share that story. I hope you guys took not only some actionable advice from Megan, but more importantly, if you're looking to uh, launch an event or turn an existing event that you've done into a virtual event, uh, definitely listen closely. There's a lot of stuff in there that Megan addressed, uh, from challenges to logistics, to, uh, guests, to feedback, etc. There's so many different facets that, that can be taken from that interview that you can apply if you want to do your very own virtual event. Plus it was just great catching up with her on a personal level because we have a lot of similar interests. Um, I'm getting more and more into anime as I so geeked out over in the interview And it was just cool to catch up and chop it up with her. Big shout out to Don Williams for putting this interview together to reconnecting Megan and I. Um, He is uh, a hardworking dude that always tries to give us some awesome guests. So shout out to you, Don. I'm sure you're going to check out this episode. Have a few laughs. And um, like I said, I appreciate the work that you do. And I wanted to acknowledge that on air because you're an awesome dude and you deserve it. All right. Closing things out, a couple of things I wanted to put out there. We have another awesome guest for the month of July that's going to really just blow the roof off when it comes to um, getting into a career in the gaming industry. Uh, Myself and this individual, we reconnected on LinkedIn. Uh, We've known each other a long time. Uh, We've seen the highs and the lows of being a content creator or being involved in the video game industry. And I was so glad to be able to not only share his story, but share a lot of his tactics, strategies, and wisdom with you guys. I can't wait to share that with you in two weeks. Also, we're working on securing some great guests for the month of August. Um, If you're a podcaster looking to secure guests for your podcast, I definitely got to throw a big cosign out to pot it. P-O-D-D-I-T. You can sign up for that service. They have a free tier and a paid tier, either as someone looking for guests for their podcast, but also if someone is interested in being a guest. And let me tell you, as a podcaster who's been in the game for a long time, being a guest on other podcasts is one of the best ways to grow your own. Sure, you could do LinkedIn campaigns and emails, which, of course, all of that is important. Collecting emails is important. Don't let anybody tell you differently. But you could do all the social in the world. You can do anything in the world. But at the end of the day, conversations where you're promoting your your experiences, your podcast, your your life story, whatever it is that your shows are about to an, another audience that you may not have even been on their radar is huge. You'd be surprised how many times I go and I'll show up on a podcast or I'll pop into a show and next thing you know, people will message me, "Hey man, I heard you on this show or I saw you here and blah blah blah, like your content or whatever." And next thing you know, you you grow and build that community that you're trying to foster for your podcast or your live video show or whatever it is that you're working on. Definitely make it a point to use services like Podit. I also checked out a new one called Matchmaker and I'll include links in the show notes for this episode for anybody who's looking to get some additional help with their podcast. Matchmaker has been really good. I've been on it for about a week or two and I've been reached out to by about three or four different podcasts asking me to be a guest on their show. But also I think I've had about 10 or 15 messages of just podcasters who I've who I've never heard of, content creators I wasn't aware of for a, 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 who, who knows how many different reasons either because they're not in a niche that I am currently familiar with. They're international. Um, I believe we have one person that reached out all the way from South Africa that's interested in doing a, a podcast. Uh, same thing with uh, uh, somebody from Canada. Really, really great stuff. Uh, matchmaker, it. Those services are huge. And as always, if you're part of a community that is pertinent to your show, whether it's a Facebook group or a Reddit group, et cetera, go in there, engage, don't, don't spam, don't go out of your way, but definitely add value, provide value. And who knows, people may want to hear you, check you out, et cetera. And that may be another way to get potential guests, but definitely go out there Take your take your wisdom, whatever it is, whether it's gaming, movies, comic books, sneakers, go out there, share it, uh, add value, go to other shows, give value to that audience and grow your own. Uh, it's the Wild West out here with podcasts now, especially with Sirius XM just picking up Stitcher recently as of earlier this week. Uh, next thing you know, podcasts are going to be on satellite radio and that's going to be massive. So if you're a podcaster looking to grow your show check out those services. You won't regret it. And by all means, feel free to reach out uh, rich at rageworks.net. If you got questions, hit us up on social. As always, I want to pay it forward. So do not hesitate to reach out and ask. Last but not least, speaking of calls to action, as always, if you enjoy this podcast, take a moment, uh, rate it on iTunes. We really, really appreciate it. And you can follow us on social. I'm not going to rattle them all off because you guys know the deal. If you want to keep up with us, We're pretty much everywhere, either as RageWorks or as the RageWorks Network. Links will be in the notes for this episode. For those of you that are checking out this show on YouTube and checking out the episode there, I truly appreciate you guys that are consistently checking out the show on YouTube. If you're not following us there, please do. I want to start doing more toy reviews and stuff. People really enjoy that. And I've been buying a lot of stuff while sitting home. Uh, both for myself and for my kid. And I figure some, some, New, York, some New York vibes for, the reviews, for, for some toy reviews would be pretty cool. Put a smile on some people's faces, maybe educate a few of you guys too. So by all means, hit us up on YouTube as well. All right, guys. Thank you for checking out this episode of Toys and Tech of the Trade. I appreciate each and every one of you for supporting us. And I'll check you guys in two weeks. Peace. and tech of the trade is part of the RageWorks Podcast Network, your source for rants about gaming, entertainment, and the works. Visit us at RageWorksNetwork.com. Right now, switch your family to T-Mobile and get four lines for $25 a line with AutoPay and 5G access included on America's largest 5G network. So don't wait. Get unlimited and nationwide 5G access for the whole family for just $25 a line. Visit a T-Mobile store or T-Mobile.com today. Plus taxes and fees. Customers may notice lower speeds and further reduction if using over 50 gigs a month due to data prioritization. Video at 480p, unlimited while on our network. Qualifying credit, 4 plus lines required. Capable device required for 5G. Coverage not available in some areas. Some uses may require certain features. CTMobile.com.
1: Hey, I'm Kayla. As a mom working from home, life is crazier than ever, especially on days like these. But I'm still ruling my day thanks to Metro. Metro gave me an awesome phone and tablet. Now my son can get his homework done on the tablet without needing to borrow my laptop. Plus with Metro, Amazon Prime is included so I can access great deals and discounts on School Essentials. And get them delivered in no time with unlimited free shipping. All while keeping an eye on my son to make sure he finishes his online practice tests before he starts watching his favorite Amazon Originals. Right now, get a new phone and tablet on us when you switch to Metro, the number one brand in prepaid. Plus, enjoy high-speed data on both devices with one Amazon Prime membership included for just $75 a month. Metro by T-Mobile. Rule your day. I'm Kayla, and that's how I rule my day with Metro. With new lines of service after rebate redemption plus sales tax and activation fee. Offer valid for new Amazon Prime members on select rate plans. Amazon Prime has a twelve ninety nine a month cost. Restrictions apply.